It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. And today we're going to help our veterans save the country. Because, you know, Veterans Day, it's one day. It's really just one day. Kids have the day off of school. Are are they really honoring the people who wore the uniform and fought and served this great nation of ours? Or are they just kind of dicking around? I'm going to go with the latter. I uh, I think maybe kids should be in school on Veterans Day learning, you know, very specific things about veterans, but it's really just one day. Uh, so I did not know that since 1996, November has been declared Military Family Month, and I think it needs a little bit more awareness. So who better to bring some awareness to the sacrifice, not only of our uh, brave and beloved veterans, but also their families who serve in a totally different capacity than one of my very favorites in the world, um, not just because of his storied military career and the sacrifices that he has made for this great land of ours. Joey Jones, welcome to Kennedy Saves the World. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And thanks for all the nice words you said about me. I appreciate that even more. You are you are a nice person. You are a good person, a hardworking person. Um, and you are now a very recognizable person. So when you go out and venture into the world on Veterans Day, uh, what do you hear from your fellow veterans? Uh, what, what are we giving them? What uh, do they need more of from us? Well, it's, it's a complicated question to answer but that you know that's why we do this for a living i guess we answer complicated questions um the thing about serving right now this this is the first generation this is a little bit of a in the weeds but i think it's important to notice it's a first generation that really signed up for four years at a time but a lifelong commitment i mean the pitch to get veterans or to get young men and women to fight this war the pitch was gi bill the pitch was VA benefits. The The pitch was patriotism. I mean, if you go back 2003, by 2003, it was full-fledged in the recruiting side. Through 2015, 16, the pitch on the recruiter side was this lifelong relationship between you and either the military or the VA. And in the last 10 or 15 years, really since the Walter Reed scandal was public, we've known as veterans that most of those things were, were kind of empty promises. And yet people still join. They still continue to sign up at, at record numbers. Some because there was a bonus offered, but almost all of them because they believe in this country and what it stands for and the opportunities it provides and the fact that it's worth defending. And, and if you ever spend time around a veteran, you learn, listen, what you, what you hear about a war and what you see about a war are two different things. And so I can't tell you that the war that Bush sold us on is the war we fought when I went to Afghanistan in 2010. I don't think it is. I think it was a very different war. And so all those things are part of it. So when you get out, you don't sit there and question your service. You don't question your commitment to this country. And you don't question this country's commitment to you because you didn't expect all those benefits to come to fruition to begin with. 
what you question is, is this still the country worth dying for? Is, do the people, is the culture and the outlook and the commitment to just get up and contribute every day, is that what's dying? And did I need to lose my brothers just to pave the way for that? And that's a heavy one. And that's what guys and gals talk about. They don't talk about, you know, Applebee's should have a 10% discount instead of a 5% discount. They don't talk about, uh, you know, it's, it's a running joke that the VA is terrible. It's no longer at the biggest point of concern. It's accepted. And that's kind of sad in and of itself. That is sad because there are so many people who've been failed in so many ways by the government. And, you know, is there a split in your mind between the country that you love and the government that oftentimes doesn't hold up their end of the bargain. How do you reconcile that? Well, there's a split. I'm a little bit disappointed in both and a little bit proud of both. I mean, how crazy is it that I could decide tomorrow I want to run for office, and if I pick the right office, I could probably get in there and be a leader, someone of power. I was born in 1966 single-wise in a small town in Georgia. I was the first person in my family to graduate high school, much less go to college or enlist in the military. I had some great uncles that were drafted. Um, it would be monumental for me to do that, and I could do that, and I could do it on my own terms if I ran in the right spot, if the right opportunity opened. So I'm proud of the government we have. I'm just not proud of the individuals in it or how it's used today. Same thing with the people in this country. I mean, we have people of all walks of life that get up and work hard every day, and they don't do it because they think they're going to be rewarded on the other side neither by the United States government or even, you know, maybe in their religion, but that's about it. They don't feel like in this life there's going to be some big reward that comes forward. They do it because they believe it's what they're supposed to do. And they do it because at some level they enjoy it. Hard work is fulfilling. And I'm very proud of that. But what I'm not proud of is that 18 to 30-year-olds increasingly fall on the side of what can I get for free? What is owed to me? What am I entitled to? I mean, we saw it in this midterm election. They were almost a decision maker in many of these close races. And, and that disappoints me. I'm not proud of that. So I have mixed emotions about the whole deal. And maybe that's the beauty in it all. I don't know. I'm glad I served. I'm proud I served. And I love this country. I wouldn't have the job I do now if I wasn't. I probably would maybe be, I don't know, I have the gift of gab. I guess I could go make more money as like an evangelical preacher or maybe the ShamWow guy or something. But, you know, I chose to use my words, hopefully, to enrich this country, make it better. That's my hope. You do make it better. And, you know, it's like I, I want to go back to just one thing that you said on my Fox business show a couple months ago, which I thought was really, really profound is, you know, you talked about the disconnect in foreign policy that the two main parties have in this country and how, you know, we need to have a vision of what it means to be America in terms of how we interface with other countries, particularly with China, because, you know, we don't have a China policy. It changes every four years. And that actually puts us in a position of weakness. So I internalize what you say. I listen to what you say. And I tend to agree with you. I spoke with Vivek Ramaswamy not too long ago about, you know, a nation of victims and and the the scourge of victimhood and how everyone everyone feels aggrieved. Everyone feels they are owed something, but also everyone wants to be in a special class and you know everyone has to be unique and i think all of those things work together uh to our detriment and to me when i see people who are proud of their country and people who've who've not succumbed to propaganda and you know their their primary secondary and higher education 
that they still love this country and they're still proud of it and they still feel connected uh, to their family members who served. That gives me great hope. And, you know, Vivek was saying that he thinks the younger generations, that the generation after Gen Z will swing the pendulum and right our country once again. All right. We got more of this interview after this. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Do you have faith that, you know, much younger kids right now will kind of figure it out in the way that the two generations ahead of them, you know, the generations after Gen X, woo, uh, screwed up? You know, I was standing in the kitchen last night. I have a I have a veteran friend who, by all intents and purposes, is homeless. He's homeless because he sold his house, he left his apartment lease, and he used the skill sets he has to build this really cool camper in the back of his truck. And he's going to go tour the country, carve spoons out of wood, and see every national forest. That's what he's going to do in his mid-30s. I don't know. But we were talking last night kind of about this. And he looks at me and he says, you know, maybe the greatest generation was the greatest generation. And he didn't say it with disappointment. He said it kind of like as an epiphany. And we, we had this long conversation about it. And, you know, I think about what was happening in the country before they came along. And it was the ebb and flow of the booms and the Dust Bowl and the Depression and everything in between. And what I realized is we're not going through anything unique. We're just going through what we have to go through when you're in a country as unique as ours. And, and so I don't have any kind of major I don't have any major doom and gloom. I mean, every time someone starts talking about doom and gloom, I remind them that our grandparents were standing in line to turn in anything made out of steel or to get rationed food to be a part of this war effort in a time when there was no guarantee that our country was going to win it. I mean, if we went into World War today, most Americans would think, well, you know, we're going to, they might bomb Hawaii, but we're good. I mean, that's what most Americans would think, even if that isn't true. But in the 1940s, that wasn't true. And those people are still around just enough. Um, that it matters. And so I think that there's there's a generation just like that always on the horizon. It may be that one of these generations that we're disappointed in is that generation when push comes to shove. The 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 problem or the or the gift is that we don't get pushed and shoved a whole lot. We we have half the political parties right now talking about how dire things are while I sit here on my thousand dollar iPhone and call my buddy on his thousand dollar iPhone that makes a third what I do right about now. And we have conversations about the activity we're going to go do together. And, and what I mean by that is that even when things are tough in this country, they're still damn good. I mean, we live like a king would in a majority of the world just by being in this country. And so I don't, I don't get disappointed. I just know that there's a spoiling that happens that you have to grow out of. But what is the, what is the saying? If you're under 30 and you're conservative, you're heartless. But if you're over 30 and you're liberal, you're broke. And those are extremes, but that really represents the maturation and life changes that people go through. I would imagine there are a lot of people that were burning bras and draft cards that voted for Trump. And I think that that's not a, a stretch. I, th- I think that, um, that we have to go through life and gain responsibilities and gain experiences um, to figure it all out at, at a different stage in life. The difference is with these iPhones I just referenced, we probably have more young people engaged than we did in the last maybe handful of decades. Well, Joey, I hope that people share your optimism, but also your realism for, you know, 
what you were sold in order to serve your country, what has happened since, where we're going, and how all hope is not lost just because you take a, a very honest look back at your life and your experiences in no way means that uh, that you have given up on your future. And, and you are such an embodiment of that. You are a great dad. You are a great friend. And you are one of the reasons that I want to go around and high five and hug <laughs> and smoke cigars with uh, all the wonderful veterans of this world. And I've said this many times, some of my very favorite libertarians are people who have worn the uniform, who have served, who have fought, who've, who've been to war, and they know that it is hell, and they come back and, you know, give us a glimpse of their lessons. I'm not saying you're a libertarian, but I do think you are a very wise person, and I want to thank you for being a part of this podcast today. I'll tell you what. I'll take a hug or a high five anytime you see me. All I right, and it. every month is Veteran Month with, uh, with Joey Jones. <laughs> thank you, my dear. Yes, thank you. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. Hey, I'm Kennedy. For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.